From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. It's another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey joined by Scott Burton holding up his favorite Los Angeles Rams flag. It's a little uh, transparent. I can kind of see through it, but I can't. (laughs) Uh, Just like my game, Brandon. Just like my game. (laughs) See through and easy to detect. That's for sure. You're not kidding. Yeah. Well, it's been a busy week in in the Magic Valley. We're going to tackle basketball, wrestling. Um, But before we get to that, Scott, these fall sports just don't don't seem to want to go away. We've still got football news coming. Uh, We don't. I mean, I I don't know about you, but man, it doesn't matter what age group it is, whether it's high school, college, pro. I, I I hate saying goodbye to football. You know, there's just something about it. And so we're going to hold on to it just a, a little bit more. And it's uh, something that we've hinted at doing over the past several weeks, or at least during football season. And we finally got it put together and I'll let you uh, lead the way. Okay. Well, uh, I'd like to bring on for the first time in the history of, of the show, our first guest and what a guest uh, he is, Cameron Anderson, the head football coach from Gooding High School. Coach Anderson, how are you? I'm I'm doing good. I mean, nothing is is worth the introduction that you just gave me, but I'll, I'll take it and run. <laughs> well, first guest in the history of the podcast besides Scott and I. So, you know, we set the bar low for you. You don't have to do much to clear it. Listen, you bring the age, Scott brings the beauty. I'll bring some football knowledge. <laughs> Perfect. It's a winning combination. For sure. Well, we we wanted to bring on Coach Anderson uh, really all season because really it's it's been a unique season for for Gooding in terms of Colston Loveland, right? The the four star tight end, University of Michigan recruit, and uh, for the first time in a, in a long time, we we had a really highly heralded prospect that brought its own attention each week, and so we wanted to pick your brain on what it was like to navigate this season with all of that going on. So. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, when uh, Scott asked me about it a little while ago, I was really excited. I, um, you're, you guys are uh, on when when I get my six miles in in the morning. You guys are are, are in my earpiece and and uh, on a weekly basis. So uh, I really enjoyed the show and and uh, so look forward to it myself. Awesome. Hey, I've got a question for you, Coach. You know, <clears throat> at what point? as Colston was coming up and playing football, did you know you had something special? Uh, well, I think that there's different categories of special. Um, I, I, I've been really blessed and gooding to, to coach a lot of really good players. Um, you know, when you have really good players and really good assistant coaches, you as a head coach can look like you are respectable. And I think that's the story of me and gooding. And, uh, um, uh, you know, I think that there's different levels. Uh, when I saw him in the fifth grade, it's kind of funny. Him, Curtis, Atkinson, um, a lot of our skill guys were too heavy to run the ball in little kids football. So they were the offensive line. And uh, and I watched them play and just the, the coach in that group just kind of put the quarterback under center and and he would any quarterback sneak about every play and they would just wedge down the field. And then, um, then the minute I could start throwing, we could start throwing Colston the ball about in the sixth or seventh grade. He never dropped it. Like he just had a knack on offense and defense of being where the ball needed to be. 
his older brother was a really special player, but he had a different frame than, than Caden. Um, and then, uh, we, we went and, um, we went and played a JV game. His, he played, uh, two JV games, uh, his freshman year. And in that JV game, he looked different than everybody else. And he still was only like, uh, 5'11", six foot, 160 pounds, but he just had a different ability and a knack. And I thought, boy, this kid's going to be really good. And then coming into his sophomore year, um, when he, he was about 6'4", 190, and Utah called and offered, I thought, boy, uh, that's a Pac-12 school that's pretty good. Uh, we probably have something that's really, really good. And then the, the next level is when Bama calls. Whenever Alabama calls and you're talking to those guys and, and they're offering a player of yours, it's kind of shocking. And that's when you know, like, well, we didn't even know what level this kid could be. So um, – I, there's all different areas of special, but that's that's kind of the path where we kind of knew, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, top top 50 player in the nation good. When you're fielding these calls, did did you take a call from Nick Saban, the man himself, or was it one of his underlings? <laughs> uh, Mr. Saban, um, I didn't get to talk to him personally. I got to talk to pretty much everybody else uh, that offered Colston as far as head coaches go. Um, I, I talked to Bill O'Brien, uh, his OC, um, and uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Bill O'Brien was – so Jay Graham, um, Jay Graham, he, he used to be with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, and he went to Alabama. He got hired as the tight ends coach. He was the first to contact us. Uh, he was the one to actually offer Colston. And then like two days after he offered Colston, he resigned. He had some family issues and and I'm like, well, that was short lived. That was a short night. The guy who offered and it's kind of funny. Um, this is the funny part of the recruiting process. I started looking through my phone and I had the number of Sal Sunseri. Now, if you don't know who Sal Sunseri is, um, he he is uh, one of their defensive coaches. His son played for Saban. And uh, <laughs> I just thought, well, maybe this is still a cell phone number. I call it he answers. I'm like, Hey, this is Cameron Anderson from Gooding, Idaho. And he's like, how did you get my number? I'm like, don't worry about that. But, uh, you know, Colson level is my tight end. You guys just offered. And he goes, well, let me, he goes, I know exactly who he is. And, uh, I'll give you, I'll have a guy call your back. They call me back and said, yeah, the offer's still good. About four days later, Bill O'Brien calls and he's like, Hey, um, me and coach Saban, were just watching Gooding film. And when he said that out loud, I said this to him, wait, you were watching Gooding film? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we were just watching Colston. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have called a better play. <laughs> Whatever it was, I wish it was better if Nick Saban was just watching the film. So uh, Bill O'Brien was a cool guy to talk to. And, uh, you know, he really liked Colston, thought he fit what he did. But uh, um, that, that, was a, that was a fun conversation. But I never got to talk to Mr. Saban. You know, going through this process is something that, not every small school gets to experience, you know, and, and Brandon and I talked about this on a couple of earlier podcasts. It seems to me that one of the toughest things to do, or at least something that you have to pay attention to as a head coach, that's got a quality team that's making a run in the playoffs. How do you keep everybody focused because all the attention is surrounding one individual? Yeah. Um, I, I would say that the answer to that is based on who that individual is. Uh, 
because he's going to control that narrative more than anybody, uh, especially inside the locker room. Uh, I have seen high, high profile recruits um, in, in the Magic Valley or in Idaho uh, and things did not go well with the team and, and they kind of exploded and it's really hard on the coach. I, I, I just got to say, like, Colston was just an absolute pleasure to coach and one of the best teammates that I've ever coached in 17 years as a head coach, ever. He's just – you wouldn't understand it unless you were around him. It's one of the reasons why these guys want him so bad. The first time you get to talk to him on that on that scope, uh, I've never had a player that that could hold his teammates accountable to the level that he does – and them still like him, it's really hard to look at your buddy and say, you need to go harder, you need to go faster, you need to get to a different level. He has a way to do it, and the guys still respect him. And um, a lot of it had to do with who those seniors were, and, and they they knew how good Colston was, but he never was that guy. He had every he had every right to be the biggest jerk I've ever coached and, and could have justified it, and he just wasn't. And so I would say that it's less to do with anything other than who that player is. And we, we hit the jackpot as far as obviously having a great player, but uh, it's the kid and the leader that, that people don't get to see that, that makes it manageable as a coach. You there, Brandon? Go ahead, Scott. I was waiting, I was waiting for you. I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want to jump in on your, on your deal here. Um, You know, looking at, uh, the, the path that you guys have taken and being a small school and Gooding is, is really known for producing some top quality football players. I mean, you've had some, some people go on to the next level um, whether it's, you know, Idaho state or whether now it's Michigan or, you know, or wherever, but now you've got the biggest thing that's ever happened in Gooding as far as football is concerned happening. How do you use that? as a springboard moving forward for these younger kids who have watched Colston grown up with him. And now they are seeing, Oh my gosh, these are the teams that I watch on Saturday. These are the teams that are going to be playing for a national title. How do you springboard that into the future? Yeah, Scott, I, I think that that's a really, really elite question, man. Um, I, I think that it's, it's a two edged sword. I, I think that um, one there has to be some understanding in what Colston is. Uh, if you haven't seen him recently, so uh, the other day uh, when Jay and Jim Harbaugh both came to Gooding, so they were both in Gooding, they stayed at Colston's house, like literally were like, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in the car if we have to. He's a really cool dude, but um, stayed that night. They had breakfast with his grandparents in the morning. And Coach Harbaugh's like, hey, let's go, let's go over to the school and let's lift some weights. I need to get a lift in. And so they did. They jumped in the car. They showed up to school, met me there. I was able to tell Colston in front of Coach Harbaugh that he got Gatorade Player of the Year. That was a really, really cool moment. Um, and then uh, Coach Harbaugh was itching. He's like, let's go get a workout in. And he literally lifted. I mean, he's doing squats with Colston, sets and, and that sort of thing. But in, in that conversation, he's saying out loud, like, hey, so I, I, Jay Harbaugh is, is going to be the tight ends coach. It's Jim's son. He's standing there just looking at Colston. And if you haven't seen Colston recently, he's, he's put on like 10 pounds in an inch since the end of football season. Right now he's about 6'6", 250. So um, 
Jay is looking at him and I'm like, how does he compare to like Eric all? So Eric all is their starting tight end had mm-hmm. great game in the big 10 championship game. He's going to be one of their big players in the Georgia game, uh, game plan wise. He's like, coach, it doesn't compare. He says, Eric, Eric all is six, three, 240 pounds. Colston is, is physically way bigger than him right now. You know, and he's watching Colston lift weights. And so going back to the question, there has to be some understanding that you have to look like that to get Big Ten noticing you. Colston is not a normal-looking human being. When you get to see him in person, he is a, a giant, massive man. And so, for one, if you're 5'10", 170 pounds, and a really good football player, and your dream is Michigan, there has to be some understanding that that's probably not going to happen. And, and there has to be some honesty from me and some and some understanding on both ends that I'm not telling you you can't have your dream. I'm just telling you your dream is probably different. So, one, uh, you have to really portray and be honest with your kids about what Colston was and the opportunities and how they lined up for him. It was all kind of worked out the right way. Two, you have to really sell the fact of the worker that Colston was, and that's what you can sell to your younger kids in your program. Hey, listen. This kid had a dream to play in the NFL. He had a dream to go play big-time college football. That was his dream since he was a freshman in high school. Is When his brother committed to Carroll, he says, I'm going to go bigger. I remember the conversation. I remember him looking at me like, I, I'm not going to Carroll. I'm not playing football if it's Carroll. I'm going to Pac-12. I'm going Big Ten. I'm going SEC. And you just look at the kid and you're like, okay. But um, he he has two weight classes every day. And he, he pushed his academics far enough that he could graduate early and attend Michigan and go there January 3rd. He sacrificed uh, relationships, fun things that kids get to do in high school. Um, uh, he took, took high offerings. He, he did all of these things in sacrifice. And there has to be an element of sacrifice to achieve greatness, especially if you want it at a high level. That's what you can sell to kids. Hey, look, if you're willing to, it's not for everybody. And I know I'm going to make anybody do it. But if it's something that you want, I have a model now that you can point to. It takes commitment, effort, sacrifice, and kindness. And if you do those things, it's proven that you can be from a small place and get those things done. As long as you check the boxes physically as well. But everyone's everyone's dream is different. And everyone's level and greatness is achieved at different at different. Um, different abilities and but he has shown that in, and that's how I can sell it to kids coming up in the future okay I want to transition to coach Harbaugh and his brother Jay because you know when all these big time coaches and recruiters come knocking as a parent and as a coach because you are essentially a, a parent by default of these players and and you know Colston's parents you've got to get a feel that your son is going to be taken care of. And the read that you get on these coaches and recruiters that come knocking has got to be a positive one because we all know that there are not those people that rub you the right way and, and make you comfortable with releasing your son or daughter into their care for the next four years. How did the Arbaz come across in that sense in relationship to you after spending time with them and to Colston's parents? Yeah, it's another really good question. Um, you know, when, when people ask me to describe this process, I'm not going to be that guy. Every head coach is going to hate this podcast if I were to say stuff and like it was a terrible process. 
yeah, had to suck talking to Jim Harbaugh and Herm Edwards and, and Chip Kelly. And like that, that had to be just terrible for you. But the way I describe it is it was really, really cool and absolutely terrible. And one of the elements that made it hard was the element you're describing. You, you build these relationships with these guys. And I, I felt like it was my role to be a football advocate for Colston when it came to information to him. So my feelings about anybody recruiting him or stuff that I saw, I would never tell him unless he eliminated them and he would ask me very specifically. But I felt it was my role not to influence his decision at all because I was not getting on the plane with him and going. Um, and so there were some guys that were really hard to watch recruit Colston. Uh, the Harbaugh's, the minute I had a conversation with both Jay and Jim, I knew that would be Colson's best fit. And I didn't tell him that. But just the way that they talked is the way that people talk that are around Colston. The way the way that they communicate their their high expectations, their their realness, their easygoing, like the way that they communicate fits the way that Colson's been communicated to his whole life. Uh, the it, Michigan uh uh, Climate-wise, is very similar to what we have here. Uh, the university, when you walk into a stadium, I mean, he he facetimes me, um, or you know, records for me walking into a stadium with 116,000 people, which is you know, Gooding has 3,000 in the town, so it's almost the same capacity. But um, <laughs> walking in that stadium, that was the cool moment for him. But Coach Harbaugh his mom and his dad right away were like, Oh man, this guy, this guy's a guy. And, and he would like, I would, I would send him a text after a game, say, Hey, Colston did this. And it would be like 11 o'clock here. So it's like 1am there. He would reply back and have a conversation. Like he's just a, he's a normal guy. He's sitting, he's walking around the school with us and, and chatting it up with other, with, with kids and elementary school kids. He's sitting down across from you and, and, and is just really real. And um, the both Harbaugh's are a, are an excellent fit for the person Colston is. It wouldn't be a fit for everybody, but for him, it it, it always felt right. Okay. Brandon, well, I just wanted to say I I really appreciate you go to bat for your players. You are an advocate for your players. Unlike a, a lot of coaches, it doesn't matter if it's uh, Michigan or a Carroll college, you're, you're going to fight for those two players equally to make sure they get the opportunity to play at the next level. How, how tiring is that? Because you've got a, a, a roster full of seniors that all want to move on and, and play and you have to balance all of that. Yeah. That's, um, that's also a really good question. I, I think we'll have three or four more sign uh, out of this class. There's some really, really good kids, guys like, um, guys like Curtis Atkinson, um, you know, who who played a position that he probably isn't going to play at college. Um, Dakota Sage uh, on the defensive line, Tate Gillette, um, uh, linebacker, and and maybe maybe uh, Taylor Cabot as well. But uh, it's it's one of the things that I'm really proud of uh, since I got to Gooding in 2009 and uh, 2011 um, or 2010. No, 2011, Alec Bastachia, uh, he signed with Carroll College. And that was the first kid out of Gooding to sign with Carroll College in, in a while. And since that time, we've had, since 2011, we've had 27, 
kids sign to colleges to play football. And that, that to me is really, really cool. It's a lot of work. Um, I would say that some of those guys were so deserving and I would say that other guys just had a dream and I fought like tooth and nail just to get them something. And, and some of them made it four years and some of them made it one year. And so, you know, it, I think it, it fluctuates and that sort of thing, but it's a lot of work. Uh, I would say the number one thing is building relationships. Uh, you know, I, I put on that free showcase camp every single year in Gooding where I bring in the NAIA colleges, um, and, uh, um, I have great sponsors like Donnelly Sports and, and David George at Adrenaline Fundraising who give us some money that I can pay those coaches to come and be here. And then the kids get to come for free. And I built relationships with them over so many years. Those head coaches, uh, they trust my recommendation. And it's not just good in kids. I would say uh, over the last three or four years especially, I would say that there's 10 kids in the magic Valley who have signed with colleges based on my recommendation to those coaches. Um, I, I just had a really good conversation about a really good tight end from Jerome uh, to, to a coach that, that he doesn't even know I'm advocating for him, but I'm like, Hey, if you want to know who he played, who's a dude, go get that dude. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think that, that the biggest thing is, is just being honest with evaluators. You have to be, you can't send a kid, and have him fail and then get another kid there. So you have to be super honest with what they're getting, with, with what they should anticipate they're going to see, how they're coached, what their academics are like, what their troubles are, what their home lives are. Like you have to be really honest with those. And since we've been really honest and things have panned out like I had predicted to the coaches they might, they know that they can come back and 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 get some information from me, whether it's mine or another kid, and, and that they're going to get at least what they came for. And that's taken years to build. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful that, um, that uh, I'm still in an opportunity where I can use those relationships to help kids out. Did those relationships help with the pandemic and the way recruiting was affected because coaches couldn't fly out to see a kid play? Uh, a lot of times it was by word of mouth, right? How, how, how was recruiting different with the pandemic for the past year and a half, two years? Oh, completely different. Colston got most of his offers sight unseen, um, just off of film. And I mean, the, the crazy stuff I had to do, I had to like, I legitimately had to like take Colston, put a tape, a measuring tape to the wall and video record me measuring his height, video record him stepping on a scale because there's a lot of people that will just be dishonest. And, and like fudge it, I had to show the whole length of the tape that he was in, wasn't in shoes, um, you know, measuring his, his, taking pictures next to things that people knew how big they were, um, getting them, getting them to communicate. The communication piece got stronger because kids had to talk to people, but the evaluation piece was completely different. So like uh, I did one showcase camp where we, we couldn't have basically any coaches there and people don't realize the work that that took. Um, hours and hours. I, I, I actually videoed every single rep and every single session from that and then cut it up myself and sent it to college coaches. And, um, and again, that, that probably helped one good in kid. It probably caused another 25. I, I don't want to throw out a crazy number, 25 to 30 kids, uh, create relationships and another 10 to 15 actually get, uh, an offer out of it. But the, that act to college coaches 
demonstrates to them that I can be reliable and trustworthy in the one kid from Gooding that I might be able to get signed. And, and I, I think that that the pandemic, uh, it, it, it caused a lot of things, but it also taught us a lot of things about um, about how important the relationship building piece is to all this. Scott, you got anything for Coach Anderson? No, I, I don't, man. I just want to thank you for uh, visiting with me every week when we uh, had our phone conversations and getting ready for this and uh, taking the time today to do it. I know you're off to your daughter's basketball game, so uh, we won't keep you any longer, but uh, thank you for kind of shedding some light on Something that, uh, you know, a lot of people around here just don't have a clue how it works because they've never experienced it before. So it was a lot of fun and it was a great ride. And hopefully some kid in the Magic Valley gets a similar ride in the future. Yeah, and I think they will. I think that there's some kids coming up and I've tried my best to communicate that. You know, when Auburn Auburn and um, Auburn and Arizona or Arizona State were at our Kimberly game and I'm pointing at the Gatlin Bear kids saying, that's the next kid doesn't matter that he doesn't play for gooding it like that's that's a kid get get eyeballs on him type of thing but uh, let me just say to you guys like like brandon brandon's got to know more about sports in idaho than anybody with all these podcasts that he does <laughs> and, no his, and and the stuff that he does and and just know to you and to scott like um we uh, as a guy who represents a lot of coaches just know that we're really really thankful for the the eye that you put on on our sports and and the state of idaho and and most importantly, these kids, because uh, it's gone a long time without stuff like this. And and it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And and I know that Paul knows how I feel about this. But, um, you know, it was really uh, Idaho sports has done so much for this for this state and for Idaho high school kids and um, and 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 really have been beat around beat around by a lot of big entities like the state um, for, can I say that on here? But anyway, but like all those things have happened for us, you guys have always been an advocate for us in high school sports in Idaho and we can't have enough of them. So a big thank you uh, as a representative of coaches for that. It's a great partnership. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Don't take any crap from Paul. All right. You understand? (laughs) Like, Like you just know, like Paul, he, he, he gets a little moody sometimes and there's no well, reason that we need to put up with that. Yeah. He knows, he knows how to, uh, he can't pull that crap with Brandon and I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, good. Cause you know, he stops by those gooding football games. He gets a little feisty and you know, and, and well, he, he still talks he, about, he still talks about that tw- uh, picture he tweeted where he had to take a phone call. Yeah. He's talking to me and Jim Harbaugh calls <laughs> and, and I let it ring a couple times and I show him the phone. He's like, Oh yeah, you better take that. And then I go on blast. Like, like, listen, yeah. Paul, I know you're like the king <laughs> and all that, but like I had to make sure I took that phone call. You don't you don't ghost Jim Harbaugh. That's one of those yeah. rules in college football, in, in, in high school football or coaching circles. Don't ghost Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, no, that, that was fun. And the timing was perfect because Paul and I were calling that game that week and uh, and you walked away with the phone and he got the, the selfie of you behind it. Oh, classic. And uh, I think you just got a name for your that. podcast today. I did. I I just wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. Wow. What fun that was, huh? Yeah. We've been trying to do that ever since this whole ride started and uh, finally got it narrowed down. And as the season went on, we just kind of figured, you know, let's, let's let the season finish. And then we can kind of tackle this with a clear head. The ride is pretty much over. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Great insight, you know, to, to a process that, you know, most people just don't know how it works. And, uh, and that was, that was fun. That was a good interview. And I, I think it ties in really nicely with what else we're going to talk about today, because mm-hmm. the lead story from the winter sports scene in the Magic Valley was Amari Whiting at Burley last week, setting mm-hmm. a new school record, 44 points in a game that Burley won 97 to, I think it was 12 uh, against Wood River. But, yeah. but in terms of athletes on the big scale, Amari Whiting is is like the next one in the Magic Valley. She's already committed to Oregon, which was a top 10 program at the start of the season, only a junior. And so I think it's it's good to kind of educate ourselves on this process because we're we're seeing it unfold yet again, this time at Burley. Yeah, and it's and it's really exciting to see these athletes uh, be showcased and get the attention of these bigger, bigger schools. And it's, you know, and in Colston's case and in Amari's case, I mean, they're not going out there making it all about them. They, they're just so talented. They stand out and they're getting people's attention. And so in Amari's situation, you know, the old record uh, stood since uh, 1996 and it was at 42 points. And the weird thing about this is, you know, she finished with 44. Um, but, you know, when I was talking to, you know, head coach Amber Whiting about it, you know, they really didn't have that on the radar. You know, they, they were just a game where Burley was cruising and uh, they finished the third quarter and she got a text from her JV coach and well, from her freshman coach actually texted the JV coach uh, because Wood River didn't have a freshman team. So the freshman coach was gone, whatever. And so kind of told uh, the coach, Hey, you know what? Amari's got 42 points and she's got the school record. She's tied the school record, you know, and this was at the end of the third quarter. So they put her back in for 30 seconds so she could get those points and, and she got them and the rest is history. And it was a, it was kind of a, a, a cool thing because in our conversation, I was saying, you know, okay, well, so how does that feel to have that little nugget on your resume type of thing as she heads to Oregon and, and, uh, you know, her mom said that, you know, she was more excited that she beat the family scoring record, you know, kind of over me. And this is over Amber, or Jace and her dad. And, and if you know the Whitings, they're just I mean, they're all just all world basketball. Um, and uh, the first thing that Damari did after the game is she texted her brother, who's on his mission in Finland. And uh, just to let him know that uh, she beat his record of 41 points. You know, so I think there's a little competitiveness in the family, but it was it was kind of cool because they kind of kept it on the inner circle just a little bit as far as that goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, what an accomplishment. And now as, if we look at Burley as as a whole, the big picture, I, I think it's clearly established that they are the team to beat in the Great Basin. I'm not sure anybody will will come close to touching them. They've already defeated Preston. Uh, Preston is a really good team. Preston just lost to Blackfoot by three. To me, that's kind of the last hurdle for Burley because uh, Burley's proven. They beat Middleton at State last year. They, they've beaten all of these other Titans in girls for a basketball. They they really have, you know, and you, you look up and down their schedule. They're, I mean, they're sitting at 9-0. and Mountain Home is 7-3. and uh, And those two are really kind of pulling away from the rest of the pack. Twin Falls is hanging in there a little bit. But, you know, when you look at Burley's schedule, I mean, they're headed to, you know, a Boise tournament, the Timberline tournament. Um, and, you know, who knows what 
what's going to happen there and who they're going to play. But as far as the rest of it goes, they've they're going to travel to Mountain Home on January 11th, and that is always a tough place to play. And uh, you know they're going to be playing. Mountain Home's going to be playing for something. And then they do have Preston again, January 25th. So there's a there's a couple of little things on the radar, but as long as they stay healthy. They are cruising right now. That's a really good basketball team. And, and again, Amari is the one that kind of, you know, she's the straw that stirs the drink. So they got to really make sure that they keep her healthy and and not to kind of expend her too much by too many minutes and too many quarters. Right. That's going to be such a key uh, for Burley as they look towards the bigger picture. The The other big girls basketball story that we wanted to talk about on, on the prepcast this week actually happened last night. We're recording this Wednesday and Tuesday night. We had a battle at the 1A D1 level of the top two teams from District 4. You had Murtaugh taking on Raft River. Uh, both teams uh, were very impressive. Raft River came into the matchup undefeated. Murtaugh won 61 to 40. I think they sent a pretty big statement to the rest of the league. Uh, they led 30 to 17 at halftime, win by 21 points. Addie Stoker had 19 points for Murtaugh on the win. Addison Stanger had 10 as well. And so you had Raft River, a team that thought they were ready. And Murtaugh says, not so fast. No, boy, I don't think anybody saw the margin of victory being what it was, especially on the road to Raft River. You know, um, and, and I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Raft River says, OK, fine. We are ready to hang with you, Murtaugh. Well, Murtaugh had other ideas because Raft River was coming in to that game undefeated. And, you know, and, and uh, Grace had beaten Murtaugh first game of the season. You know, so, I mean, you, you just go by records, which, you know, a lot of people that don't understand the, the teams will do. Said, how in the heck did an undefeated Raft River team get blitzed by 20? Um against Murtaugh. Well, Murtaugh's a pretty dang good basketball team. And, and, you know, and you haven't seen, you haven't heard the word or the last of Raft River either. They're good too, but I think they got a little wake up call. I think this will be good for the Trojans. They've got a first year coach, Bart Dieter. Um, and I, I think this will be good for them to kind of refocus and okay. Yep, oh, yeah. Our first one. Well, you know, and the thing is when you, when you have a team that's undefeated, whether it's a, I don't want to say a legitimate undefeated, you know, if you play a bunch, you know, a bunch of, you know, Patsy's, you're going to beef up your record. I'm not saying that's what Raft River does, but what I'm, what I'm saying is anytime you get a team that's undefeated, sometimes they need to be knocked in the mouth and put on their butt to get them to focus again, because you can ride that wave and, and uh, kind of get a false sense of security and uh, think you're all that. And I'm not saying Raft River did that, but I agree with you. This loss for them might refocus them just a little bit. Yeah, it, uh, it happened to Middleton last year in girls basketball. They were uh, undefeated, went to state, and Burley popped them right away at, at state. So uh, it's always interesting. Uh, last girls basketball note, Jerome is hosting the Jerry Callen Memorial Tournament this weekend. Is that a Friday, Saturday? Yeah, it is. Um, we're going to have like a 16-round Robin tournament, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It starts at 530 on Friday night where we're going to have Madison playing mountain home and twin falls playing filer. And we're going to start right away with a little bit of a storyline with the twin falls filer game. Uh, Cause head coach Mike Amaya uh, from twin falls, as you know, the old filer coach. So, Hey, let's uh, have him play his old team right out of the gate. 
you know, since I control the schedule, then that's how we're going to do it. Uh, so those two are going to play at 530. And then we're going to have Jerome and Emmett play at 730. And Saturday, we'll pick it up at 1030 again. And uh, we'll have our final game at four o'clock in the afternoon. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, the teams that we have coming in, we have Mountain Home, we've got Madison, we've got Twin Falls, Filer, Jerome and Emmett. You know, so we kind of have a, a variety of teams from around the state, from the east, from the west, from the middle. So it should be it should be some fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time. And I don't I don't know the backstory at all of, of Jerry Callen or or who he was. Do you? Oh, I no idea. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go in there. Yeah, no, the Callens are a huge name here in Jerome, and they they've been here forever. Jerry Callen is uh, one of the the good old boys that uh, grew up here, played here. Um, his grandkids uh, played here. Uh, I coached them, and not not Jerry, <laughs> but his grandkids. And uh, it's just a Jerome family. I mean, you know how you get these towns that have names, and you hear a name and it's associated with a town. Well, you know, Callan is one of those that is associated with Jerome. They have just been such huge supporters of this tournament and um you know their their daughter uh is going to help hand out medals um dennis and sandra caps so i mean this name has got i mean it just traces back and it traces back into other names that are associated with jerome so i mean i can't even do it justice describing the name callan to to the jerome community but jerry was a huge supporter Jerome guy, um, obviously he's not with us anymore. And so this tournament uh, was created on his behalf. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love to see, uh, those, those community pillars being recognized, uh, year in, year out in, in, in boys basketball. There's, there's a couple of intriguing games coming up on the schedule. Uh, let's, let's start with Jerome. The Jerome boys are going to be traveling to Preston, for the yes. Preston Indians Classic, which starts uh, Thursday, and and we will have every single game uh, from the varsity side on IdahoSports.com. Uh, myself and Paul Kingsbury actually are going to be on the call for all. So we got Paul all nice and wound up, and then I have to spend three days with him inside the oh, Preston gym. Gosh. It's like, what kind of bet did you lose? <laughs> Seriously. And where am I? If you can see my office right now, I know I have this somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You can. Uh, oh. Um, yeah, so this uh, this tournament in Preston is is going to be a lot of fun because they've got some really good teams there and some interesting teams as well. And, and uh, uh, it starts with Nampa and Jerome on Thursday and Cuna uh, and Shelly. And it's set up just like the state tournament. And it's, I mean, you look at these teams, Nampa is probably the, the one that is the, the the dark, not dark, or the, the black sheep. They, they just, they're, they're wild. They are up and down the floor, wild, no discipline, shoot the ball, whatever. And they try to suck you into that. And so they're going to bring that element, which is always good to have in a tournament because you never know when you're going to see that, you know? And when you go to these things, you want to see things that are different. Uh, Nampa brings that. Okay. And they get Jerome right away. Uh, Cuna and Shelly. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we talk about, you know, those guys, uh, solid programs, both of them, uh, Columbia and Bonneville, and then South Fremont's playing Preston. Now, South Fremont, I think Fremont is, is coming in for one game because I think Sandpoint originally was supposed to be there. They bailed out, 
And so yeah. they're going to play, South Fremont's going to play one game, and then I think Bear Lake's going to take over from there. And uh, and obviously, when you look at the, uh, the, the lineup, Preston has got to be the favorite, you know, in this tournament to win. I, I think we're anticipating in the way Preston set up the bracket. I, th- I think we're all anticipating Jerome and Preston in the championship game, which those are two teams that figure to be at state. They were both at state last year. And I think, I think that's kind of the idea. So I, I certainly think that's the way it's going to go is Jerome and Preston. And I think that's going to be a good matchup and a good kind of barometer to see where Jerome kind of, right. They've already had a good measuring stick with Bishop Kelly, which mm-hmm. is one of the favorites in district three. Preston is one of the favorites in district five. So for Jerome, I think this will be a good measuring stick. Oh, it definitely will. I mean, if you want to, you know, be the best, you got to beat the best. You got to play the best and you've got to put, you know, your schedule to a test in certain areas. And this tournament for, for our boys here at Jerome, I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah. They got, they got tested by Bishop Kelly. They got beat by Bishop Kelly. Um, Preston beat Bishop Kelly, you know, and you, you look at, um, uh, I found my sheet by the way, because I did have some information on some, some of these teams. Um, you know, Preston is, golly, they're solid. They're solid guard play. I think they're the favorites to win it. Uh, Jones, the coach's kid, obviously, is 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 a huge part of that, um, as well as the 80s kid, Nap. You know, I mean, so you got the 80s kid, you got the coach's kid, two vital cogs on this Preston team. Um, and they do what they've always done. I mean, they're just going to run those one, two, two, three quarter, three quarter court, one, two, two half court press. I mean, you don't get any surprises with Preston. They're just so efficient. Um, and meanwhile, then you get Cuna, who's playing these five A teams to start, you know. And so you look at their record and you're like, well, how good are they? Well, they're playing five A teams and they're playing some good ones too, you know. And so that is a great draw for this tournament. They've got a uh, a six-five kid named Gordon who is inside out their best player. I mean, and this CUNA team is pretty athletic. Um, you know, they run that uh, make miss defense. You know, they make the bucket, they fall back into two three. They miss, they go man. And so there's something different that you have to get used to that you don't see all the time. And and again, you hear me say, you go to these tournaments, you want something different, and CUNA brings that. You know, you get Shelley. Um, who's another good team. They've got a solid post player, six, five kid named Vance. And, um, and he is really, really good. They're, they've got another, uh, solid player, a guard named lot. Uh, he's a perimeter player, shooter, slasher. And, uh, that's a team that likes to get up and down. And so you've got a team that's got a solid paint presence and a solid point guard and a shooter, you know? And so, you know, something else there to look at. And you can go up and down all these teams. Bonneville is, you know, they're off to a rough start trying to find that first win. Um, But, you know, they lost a lot of seniors and they have no experience at all. And so now you get the young team and uh, let's see what they can do. Uh, As far as Columbia goes, you know, they were predicted to finish, what, six out of eight in their conference and um, they they lost seven seniors as well. So, you know, they still bring back Jack Keller, who's a pretty solid ball player. But, uh, you know, you've got a couple of rebuilders playing each other in this tournament. Uh, but then you've got the slasher. You've got the post player. You've got the wild team that's up and down all over the place. So and then you've got steady Eddie Preston, who just does what they do. And, 
And for our boys, Jerome going in, uh, that's going to be really good, you know, for us and anybody there. I'm, I'm really excited for this tournament and for you guys to call it. You still have some pretty good games. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's actually so so there's the eight team bracket, and then there's like like an appendage at the end of the bracket as well. That's it's it's uh because because yeah. Bear Lake uh isn't playing in the eight team bracket on the first day. Filer is going over to this tournament as well, and they're just kind of getting three standalone games. They're going to play Bear Lake on Thursday. It's actually the first game at one twenty, and that's Bear Lake as a team that got to state last year. Then they played the Preston JV on Friday, and that's going to be a good test because mm-hmm. of the, the defensive system they run. And then Saturday, they play Skyview High School from Utah. Now, this team is no walk in the park. This is a perennial power in the state of Utah. They have multiple Division One players that have gone through the program the last couple of years. So Fyther is going to get a really good test over there. As yeah. Well. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to make them better. You know, Preston is just one of those locations to where they've got access to those Utah schools. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, last week. You know, when you go to the East in basketball, you know, up and down that East side of Idaho, you are finding quality basketball. Preston's no exception. And uh, and when you have access to those Utah schools to come in, um, Man, you get some really, really good teams. And again, different teams yeah. you don't get to see. Yep. So Jerome and Filer fans can tune in and watch their teams play all three days at the Preston Indians Classic on IdahoSports.com. Just check the game streams tab each day on the homepage at IdahoSports.com uh, to find out when your team will be playing. We obviously can't tell you beyond the first day because it all depends on if they win or lose. So. Right. For sure. Uh, Let's wrap up with wrestling. The uh, the Tim Matthews uh, wrestling invite was held last week, and that that's a that's a big signature wrestling event for the Magic Valley. Oh, it's it's huge. We had seventeen teams come down, uh, including a ranked five A team, and uh, we had some really good wrestlers. And the tournament went so smoothly. We had our 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 signature honoree Tim Matthews in attendance the entire time. He helped me hand out all the medals at the end. Um, and, and Tim Matthews was, is, you know, my old football coach as well. So, I mean, he and I know each other forever and, and, uh, he's just one of those guys that, uh, really helped put Jerome wrestling on the map and keep it there. And, um, you know, Tim Matthews is one of those guys that's, uh, he was a two-time big sky champion. He's in the wrestling hall of fame. I mean, this guy is all wrestling and, uh, and he, I think he's 70 something and he looks like he's 40 something and he'd still whip you. And he's a guy I don't want to mess with, <laughs> you know, but uh, we're happy to have the tournament in his honor and everybody flocks to this thing. And uh, it's really cool. And one of the cool moments was his grandson was able to win his division. Uh, so in Declo, Tim Matthews son is the head coach for Declo wrestling. And so his son, Tim came over and brought his kid, Derek, who's I think in the 182 pound class. And uh, Derek was able to cakewalk through win the Tim Matthews 182 pound champion. And, uh, and his granddad was the one that gave him the medal at the end. And so a lot of cool things happening, but uh, a great tournament. Jerome ended up winning the whole thing, uh, going away, winning, going away. And a really good, solid performance for our boys, but a great tournament overall. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those Magic Valley teams try and break through this year. I know Jerome is is loaded, has a really good wrestling squad. Um, it, it seems like uh, at the larger levels, it's been the teams from the north that have had a lot of success. And then mm-hmm. the smaller levels, it's kind of been over in the western part of the state. And then, of course, Ryrie at, at the 2A level has had a mini dynasty. Uh, so I, I, I'm hoping that some Magic Valley teams can break through at state this year in wrestling. Yeah, I think so. You know, and you've got, to, in, at least in the Great Basin, you've got, you know, Jerome and Minico, who are both solid. And, you know, barring anything crazy, I mean, have a shot, you know, at a, at a state title, if not getting a team trophy. So there's two good teams here in the Magic Valley that, uh, that have a legitimate chance. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun to chart their progress as the season goes along. So speaking of along, we've gone a long time today. and <laughs> Yeah, we were going to talk a really about the Valley-Wendell game coming up. So why don't we give that 30 seconds to just preview that thing? Yes, I, I yeah, I, I uh, forgot that on my run, on my rundown. That's right. Boy, so boys basketball Friday night. You've got Valley traveling to Wendell. These are uh, the two best teams in in the league. Valley's four and two. Wendell's four and one. Wendell, of course, upset Valley at, at districts last year to go to state. I got to see Wendell play. Um, th- this is going to be a fun game Friday night. Oh, it it definitely will. I mean, Wendell got their first win in a very long time over Valley last year. And uh, but they've got to figure out how to replace their their four seniors, you know, that they lost. Uh, they still have uh, some people coming back, but they're not going to be the shooting team that they were last year. They're going to really try to get an inside presence uh, going at Wendell. So it's going to look a little different. But, you know, talking to these coaches and Coach Kelsey said, you know, what, if we want to compete this year, we have got to figure out, especially playing Valley, how in the heck are we going to get better in transition defense? because we just gave up way too many points last year to Valley in transition. So that's going to be a focal point. So if you go out and watch this game, you know, understand that uh, Va- or Wendell uh, is really paying attention to getting back on defense and, uh, and stopping that transition game of Valley because Valley, man, that, that's a pretty good team that uh, Coach Brian Hardy has over there. It is. And Wendell is a team that just scraps. They they rebound the basketball so well. They've got a team just full of Dennis Rodmans, I feel like, that just are able to sneak their way through and get, get rebounds, leads to second chance points. Diego Torres is a great point guard for Wendell as well. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun game. And we'll see if the Trojans can keep up that momentum that they earned last year at Districts. Or will Valley have something to say about that? Should no, be you're right. right. Yeah. Torres and Swainston are really going to have to bring it for uh, for Wendell you know, against, uh, against this Valley team. And really an interesting thing, both of these teams right now are absolutely sucking it up at the foul line. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and when, when I was talking to both of these coaches, they, they both said the same thing. We suck at free throws right now. We have got to get better from the line. You know, I think uh, Wendell's shooting 52% on the season. Uh, Valley's shooting 45% from the season. These are boys, varsity basketball teams that can't make a free throw right now. So, as close as these two teams are, I don't know. Maybe that's something that'll decide it in the end. You know, so uh, it's going to be a fun game on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Wendell hosting Valley Friday night, 730. And we'll recap that game and so much more on next week's edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast. Scott, as always, thanks for uh, pinning down Coach Anderson finally from Gooding. That was a lot of fun. That was a great time, and it was something in the making that we talked about. We knew we had to get this story out there, but why 
why get it from me when we just get it from the, uh, from the source himself. That's right. So uh, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.